Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Informed Catholic. My name is Net Jabbar, and this is going to be episode 88. And the subject matter is the Jesuits and their ideology. Um, I have an article here from America Magazine. <clears throat> it's by the uh, America the Jesuit Review. The reason why I brought this up, because a couple of, uh, some time ago, on um, Church Militant tele- uh, Television, uh, their website, Michael Voris uh, brought up an article that the Jesuits uh, put out, which was, it's time to rethink the Electoral College. He often refers to it as the Jesuit rag, and he's right. Um, this article is written by John D. Fierick. It's on May 8th, 2020. And it's the whole idea the Jesuits really have adopted this whole nonsense of um, socialism, Marxism. Uh, their indoctrination has been through the so-called um, liberation theology um, which is interesting. And I think uh, we need to go and review this whole ideology of the liberation theology, its source, where it came from, how it evolved, and how the Jesuits got infected by this uh, virus. It basically is important because the Jesuits have um, really completely... Um, wrap themselves around this uh, this whole mantle of liberation theology that it has affected the way they they operate within the church. They are one of the most important orders. They have gone all four corners of the earth um, to every corner, South America, North America, Central America, uh, they have been part of the whole um, counter-reformation. Uh, they have gone all the way into Asia, into the Middle East, to uh, the Baltics. They, there's not a corner of the earth the Jesuits have not gone to spread the gospel. But at some point, something happened. Something went wrong. It may have been at their infancy because many have questioned the fact that they called themselves the Society of Jesus. When they already are a member of the Society of Jesus. They, um, they never named themselves completely, I mean, by their own founder, uh, Ignatius Loyola, who was a soldier, and um, their, their, their spiritual father. But sometimes something went wrong. Something seriously, seriously went wrong. The Jesuits are an unusual order. In their, in, in, unlike the other orders, they don't live in a commune. They're, in a sense, quite lone rangers, if you think about it. Um, they don't, they're not monks. They are, they are missionaries. That's the whole point of them. But for some reason, they are different. Anyway, we're going to explore that another time, but let's look at this article here. All right, it's by John D. Ferrick, and we're going to examine it. And we're going to look at 
what they suggest here about eliminating the electoral college, why the electoral college is important, and why do the to the Jesuits believe it should be eliminated. So let's begin. All right, so let's get on to the article. Uh, John D. Ferrick, May 8th, 2020. Uh, here's a little under a photo of Donald Trump, President Trump. Two of the past three presidents, including Donald Trump, have been elected by Electoral College while losing the national popular vote. That's not entirely true. Not entirely true. Um, it was pretty close with the national vote. But we're going to go over here. Let's start with the article. In the presidential election of 2000, George W. Bush won a majority of the Electoral College, while Al Gore won the popular vote by a margin of more than 500,000. In 2016, the Electoral College winner, Donald A. Trump, polled uh, almost 3 million fewer votes than his opponent, Hillary Clinton. Some political scientists predict more split results like these if current projections hold true and the population become more concentrated in fewer states. One reason is that small states each get at least three electoral votes regardless of population size, a form of disproportionate representation that raises profound issues for our democracy. Even before these elections, there had been a serious efforts to reform or abolish the Electoral College. In 1969, the U.S. House of Representatives approved by a substantial majority a constitutional amendment, which I assisted in formulating to implement a national popular vote system for electing the president and vice president. But the amendment later died in the Senate without a vote on its merits. Okay, here's a quote here pulled out. Oh, actually, it's more a tweet. The framers of the Constitution rejected a national popular vote for president, believing the people were not ready for such a system. Previous attempts to end the Electoral College have failed because reformers have differed on how to change the system and because opponents have argued the electoral, that the Electoral College has both provided a stability and ensured representation for all states. But does this fundamental fairness require that every vote be equal in a presidential election? Because the president, the president is elected to represent all of the United States. This one-person, one-vote principle prevails in all other U.S. elections, and was at the core of the amendment that passed the House in 1969. It is also embraced by National Popular Vote Plan, which I will discuss later in this essay. The framers of the Constitution rejected a national popular vote for president, believing that people were not ready for such a system. George Mason, a delegate from Virginia said it would be unnatural to refer the choice of proper character for chief magistrate to the people as it would do to refer to a trial, a trial of colors to a blind man. Some of the framers expressed concern that the people would not be sufficiently informed of candidates beyond their own states and would vote for uh, those they knew from their own states, leading to a 
domination by large states, such as New York and Massachusetts, at least one framer worried about the people being misled by designing um, designing men. Others suggested that a popular election would not lead to, to a consensus on a single national candidate after Washington left office. James Madison argued that the Electoral College would express the will of the people if the people chose the electors. Okay, interesting. I'll read that. Uh, it, this is a, the, the same thing pulled out uh, from the article. As Alexander Hamlet envisioned, the choice of presidents should be made by, the, by men most capable of analyzing qualities adapted to, to the election. Let's stop right here for a minute. I think I end, I'll be honest with you. I think I prefer it this way. Can it be improved? Yes, I believe it should be improved. But the problem here is, is that when you look, listen to a lot of these young people, especially in the colleges, a lot of them are not really learning history. A lot of them don't even know who Adolf Hitler is. Their, their, their politics comes from pop culture. All right. Some of them don't even know who Joseph Stalin was. Some of them don't even know what Adolf Hitler did. I mean, you see a lot of the kids, they're wearing uh, Chavez, uh, this uh, Cuban communist socialist person on their T-shirts. They don't even know that this person was a murderer. I saw I saw the the, in the the documentaries about this person, and they he's become an image of popular culture. You see him; he's wearing this beret, he's got this long hair and beard, and they look at him as though you know they they think they know what it means, and they don't even know it. A lot of them are not historically literate; they're more familiar with with games and 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 facebook and a lot of them choose their politics based on their social relations their uh, their social club they're not you know it's 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 dangerous and the fact that many people are motivated by ideology their politics is motivated by social ideology than proper philosophical ideology or even proper political ideology they don't even know it they don't even know all the events of history you know, I mean, Antifa, they're, they're every, all their, everybody, all their politics, it comes from emotion and not from proper, properly being informed about why they believe this political viewpoint. I mean, social politics, gender politics, uh, LGBT politics. Everything is given through emotion. All right. Social justice is not being done with what works. Uh, the environment is through their emotions and social and, and social justice. It's all driven by that, not by if it's if it's really true. Does it really work? Is this exactly what you're supposed to believe? Will this work? Has this been proven to work before? And the fact that they talk about um, universal income um, and these other things without realizing they don't work. Bernie Sanders misinforms the people. He gives them bad information about Venezuela and Sweden. All right. A lot of these people don't even know that 
some of those countries don't eat, are, are not are not socialist. So I think the fact that you have this kind of like bad, uh, badly educated young people, college kids, says to me a good reason why keeping the electoral college. All right, let's continue. All right. Instead of the framers choose a process of selection by presidential electors, who in turn would be chosen in each state by a method decided by the state le- legislator, as Alexander Hamilton envisioned, the choice of president should be made by men most capable of analyzing the qualities adapted to the, sta- to, to the station. He added that a small number of persons selected by their fellow citizens from the general masses will be most likely to possess the information and discernment request to such a complicated investigation. Um, okay. I mean, he might have like, it, you know, it, I agree that to some, to some cases, maybe the way he framed it was quite elitist, but then again, the Democrats are quite an elitist people and socialists, communists, though they talk about equality for all and brotherhood and, and everything, it's not entirely true because communists, Marxists, socialists, they're all elitist and they are, and, and the parties are ruled by elitist people. I mean, just listen to these people in the college campuses, even the so-called environmentalists are elitists. Um, they technically what they use, they use victimhood as a method of, of winning people over to their cause and making the people believe that they actually care for them when they really don't. Even the LGBT community is ruled by elitists. They, you know, they look at people of lower income as, uh, you know, uh, fodder for fuel. Technically, they don't really care if the people about the people's rights, uh, you know, they give them basically, uh, you know, bread so that people can constantly keep coming back. I mean, uh, you know, uh, uh, Johnson or himself said, you know, give colored people just a little something so they can keep coming back, but don't give them everything they want. And that's exactly what the, what the Democrats do. The liberals do. They give the lower income, uh, minorities, people of color, just a little something, but not everything that they want. And they never really ended poverty. But what we hear, what I'm trying to say is, is that I understand Hamilton to some extent at that time, people were not completely informed about the candidate, but we are now looking at the population now, looking at the way things are, which I mentioned, what goes on in the college campuses I think keeping the electoral college in power is still needed. Do we still need uh, reform within the electoral college? I believe we do. I don't think eliminating it is good. I think reforming it might be needed, but we have to do it when both parties are on the same stage, when both parties are on same ground. I don't think eliminating is good. I think choosing people uh, who are a representative of the population is good, but I think we need, we need to change it. Maybe not now, maybe at a time in the future when it's possible. Um, when both political parties 
are on the same ground. When maybe when the Democrats have got got rid of all the social communist ideology, we could reform it. Hopefully, I know I know there are good Democrats out there. I know Democrats who believe in the Constitution. You got to have Democrats that believe in the Constitution and believe in the election system and believe in the United States, not motivated by uh, electoral um, uh, socialism, not motivated by any form of ideology, not motivated by racial ideology, not motivated by gender ideology, motivated for basically only for the United States and motivated with the United States and this constitution, the, uh, the way the framers intended it. That's the only way I agree. I would agree with it of reforming uh, the electoral college, not eliminating it, not eliminating it, but improving it. Okay. All right. So why was there a serious effort to abolish the electoral college in 1969? The previous year, a third party candidate, Governor George Wallace of Alabama, had almost received enough electoral votes to deny either either major party candidate and majority. He wanted to prevent anyone from winning a majority so he could use his electoral votes as leverage. His plan was to ask his electoral electors to vote for the ma- major party candidate who voiced a stronger support for his segregationist policies. It is not clear if Wallace could have gotten those electors to follow his instructions, but the incident still raised concern in both parties that the electoral process could be hijacked. Okay, I can understand that, and I can, you know, I, you know, I, I could understand that, but that, that's not a reason to eliminate the electoral college. That's not a reason why. What the framers envision in their design a kind of blue ribbon commission, with members from every state to select the most suitable person to be president never really materialized. When George Washington, twice a unanimous choice for president, retired, the inherent defects of the electoral college became obvious in the election of 1796. One presidential uh, elector cast his vote for uh, president uh, for the president contrary to his, in, to his instructions as a chosen elector of the Federalist Party, leading one, uh, leading one citizen to say, do I choose Samuel Miles, the elector, to determine for me whether John Adams or Thomas Jefferson is the f- fittest man for president? No, I choose him to act, not to think. That's an interesting thing. Let's, let's look at it again here. What the framers envisioned in their design, a kind of blue ribbon commission with members from every state to select the most suitable person to be president never really materialized. When George Washington, twice unanimous choice for president, retired, the inherent defects of the Electoral College became obvious. In the election of 1796, one presidential elector cast his vote for president contrary to his instruction as chosen elector of the Federalist Party, leading one citizen to say, do I choose Samuel Miles, the elector, to determine for me whether John Adams or Thomas Jefferson is the fittest man for president. No, I cho- I choose him to act, not to think. 
what the framers envision in their design, kind of blue ribbon commission with members from every state to select the most suitable person to be president, never really materialized. A quote pulled out. Um, okay, I can understand what he what they're saying, but still, if the people are motivated but not informed, if they're motivated by their emotion, look. The people who are on the college campuses, are they thinking what's good for America? Are they thinking for their country or are they motivated by ideology of their, of their, of their college professors who have indoctrinated them? Are they moved by indoctrination or are they moved by national, uh, what's nationally right for the country? Why should I trust the future of a uh, future of, of my country to a bun of, bunch of college kids who are motivated by uh, Greta Thunberg or George Soros or whatever uh, global ideologist? I want them to think about what's better for the country. I want them to think like me as an American. I'm choosing a president to represent my country. Now the problem here is is I don't I don't I'm not choosing my country or or trusting my country to a bunch of people who are motivated by social justice politics. That's not what I want. I want them to think like me. What's good for America? Okay, all the other things we can figure out later on. So here's a paragraph here that's going to be interesting. By 1826, a Senate Select Committee concluded that the electors had degenerated into mere agents in a case which requires no agency and where the agent must be useless if he is faithful and and dangerous if he's not. From the beginning, states experimented with different methods of selecting presidential electors, mostly by state legislators by the winners of congressional districts as Maine, Nebraska elected delegates today, or by giving all of a state's delegates to the winner of the state as the statewide popular vote. I can understand. Yes. I'm not going to put it past that. There were problems with the electoral college from the beginning. Uh, Like I said, I believe it can be reformed. Problem is there's tribal politics always. All right, so let's continue here. By the middle of the 19th century, the statewide popular vote had become the dominant method of selecting electors. James Madison had remarked in 1823 that although he preferred voting by district, winner-take-all voting was the only expedient for baffling the policy of the particular state, which had set the example by adopting that system. In other words, states could maintain their political clout only by going along with the winner-take-all method. Okay, how to win fewer votes. If the idea of an independent electoral college did not survive the first presidential elections, another principle was preserved, that each candidate's breadth of geographic support is more important than raw vote totals. Under the Constitution, each state has electoral college votes equal to its representation in Congress. 
including the two U.S. senators, given to each state regardless of population. Under the 23rd Amendment, ratified in 1961, the District of Columbia has three electoral votes as if it were a state. The, 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 apportion, um, the apportionment of electoral votes results in citizens in different states having differing voting power. Wyoming currently has one electoral vote for every 140,000 or so adults, while California has one electoral vote for every uh, 510,000 adults. Following the establishment of current two-party system, just before the Civil War, popular vote winners lost the Electoral College by small margins. In 1876 and in 1888, the split did not occur again until 2000, and then 2016, when Democrats won several large states by wide margins, adding to their national vote total without helping them in the Electoral College, but small shifts in votes would have given the election to popular vote uh, losers in a number of other elections. 1844, 1884, 1888, 1916, 1928, 1948, 1960, 1976, and 2004. Not surprisingly, there have been many proposals of constitutional amendments to change the system, in addition to choosing the president by national popular vote. The proposals have included awarding electoral votes according to the winner of each congressional district again. Uh, again, James Madison's pr preference, proportional representation by state so that the candidates who wins 40% of the vote gets roughly 40% of the state's electors and codifying what, almost, what most states do now, giving all electoral votes to the popular vote winner in each state to prevent faithless electors from voting their personal preference. All right, let's stop here for a minute. There's only one problem. We do have a problem of this mail-in ballot, mail-in ballots, of course. And Tim Poole the other day, I was listening to his podcast, mentioned in uh, Philadelphia around the southern region maybe there was a of a, a judge who actually uh falsified votes some people in some areas i think even in new jersey found out that they took part in a vote they didn't even know they did that there was mail in through mail in ballots and the democrats are pushing for this they, as well as they have pushed for uh, changing the, the age vote to 16, thinking that younger people, younger voters who vote by emotion, who are who are indoctrinated through uh, uh, basically critical method education, you know, about social justice, LGBT politics, the environment, young people would vote. Well, well, they didn't vote, unfortunately, because a lot of them, they rather play video games, hang out with their friends and uh, listen to music and then, uh, what do you call it, watch whatever it is on TV about fashion, they threw the ballots aside. There's a lot of problems with the, with the, with the method. There's a lot of problems. And the thing is, we are, we're, still, we're going through a lot. We're going through cultural changes and we're going through a lot of uh, other problems. It's you can't vote through emotion. You gotta vote to what works and what 
what matters to you. Yes, I do believe that this system needs to be changed. It needs better improvement. How to do it, I don't know. We need it when both parties have clear heads and both are thinking about the well-being of the country, then we can do it. I just don't know. I don't know if we can do it right now. A more innovative solution is the National Popular Vote Plan, which was developed after 2000, 2000 election. As of now, 15 states and the District of Columbia have entered into an agreement under the Constitution's interstate compact clause to towards their electoral votes, now totaling 196 to the national popular vote winner, provided that the states with at least 270, 270 electoral votes join the compact. Effectively, the plan is an end run around the need for a constitutional amendment, providing for popular election of the president. Students in Fordham Law, Democracy, and the Constitution Clinic have endorsed the plan, but added that it should be implemented with ranked choice voting to ensure that the winning candidate ultimately receives a majority of the national popular vote. None of these proposals are likely to be enacted before the election of 2020, when the major party nominee will be cherry-picking the states in which to campaign and spend money in an effort to secure the necessary 270 electoral votes to win the election. But hasn't the time arrived for candidates to pursue votes whoever, wherever they exist in the country? True. The state with the largest population might have more influence over election outcome than they do now, but most elections would still be close. So candidates would need to to appeal to voters across the country, which could encourage moderation in the country's politics. None of these people proposals are likely to be enacted before the election of 2020, when the major party nominee will be cherry picking the states which to campaign. That is true about one thing about the Electoral College. It makes the campaigners, the presidential uh, campaigners, to go to countries where they normally wouldn't go. If we eliminate the Electoral College, this would force them to go to uh, where the largest population is and ignore other states. Like I said, I don't think there's any other easy way. I mean, direct democracy vote may not be such a great thing. You gotta get, you gotta, you know, you gotta consider if we eliminate the electoral college, this would give power to New York, Chicago, and Massachusetts and California and places like Texas over the other smaller states with lesser population. I think, I mean, at least he's being honest to some extent here. He's being honest, but there's still more. All right, so let's continue. Now, here's something here, um, a quote from uh, Gov Governor, Governor Morris declared, as Governor Morris declared at the Constitutional Convention of 1787, if the president is to be the guardian of the people, let him be appointed by the people. Okay, I would agree with that. In endorsing the National Popular Vote Plan in 2006, former U.S. Senator Burke Bay of Indiana, who was the principal sponsor 
in the 1970s of an amendment to abolish the Electoral College observed, in the United States, one person, one vote is more than a clever phrase. It's the cornerstone of justice and equality. I'm not disagreeing with any of this. I am not disagreeing with any of this. The problem is that I don't think we're we're at a point where we have reformed and perfected the election system. Um, I want to prove it. I, you know, it will be ideal, but the problem is, is that I think if we go to a direct vote, it could split the country in half because our young, our young people are motivated through ideology than they are motivated by what, what the vote, you know, what the country should be, what what's good for the country, and seeing the way a lot of these young people are badly indoctrinated in the colleges, it's hard. It's hard to let go because I don't trust them. You know, when you're young, you tend to want to you want to vote because of your social. Uh, network, your social relations, the group that you socialize with. And you tend to want to be part. You don't want to be left out. You don't want to be ostracized. You you don't want to be looked down upon by your friends. To really, really educate yourself, to really educate yourself, to educate yourself with the truth, you have to follow the beat of a different drummer. And sometimes it means you have to lose friends. All right? Um, a conservative is doesn't uh, tends to be, I think, more, um, I think, logical because I've found people who who are conservative. They don't get emotional. They don't get emotional. But I mean, I think if you get emotional, you're a conservative. You're not really a conservative. All right, you shouldn't get emotional. But I, I mean, I know I I met a lot of liberals that get me angry and get me really upset. But I've learned not to be emotional. I've learned, you know, I've learned to have to pull back a little bit. Let them say what they want to say. Let them say to the point that, that they want to say things. And then you have to also, you have to really think about what you're going to say to them. How do you say it? And how do you get, you know, you get the information out? I've learned sometimes I play things on my phone to people, Right. Younger people tend, they they vote because they want and they think in a certain way because they want to be part of a social circle. You can't do it on Facebook. You can't do it on Facebook because some people, the minute they hear something and they think this person, he's a pro-Trumper, he, you know, he, you know, this is all endorsing Trump. No, you have to get someone to think clearly. All right. Pull all your information out and learn how to communicate your information. Ask the person why they think the way they think. Listen to them. Let them say what they have to say. And then when it comes, you can give them the information, but you have to give it to them in a way that that makes them realize that compared to what they're saying. Like, for example, I met someone the other day who was so angry that Donald Trump was was going around proposing hydroxychloroquine, this uh, anti-malaria pill. He says it hasn't been approved by the FDA. Wrong. It has been approved by the FDA. This pill, this 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 drug has been around for sixty-five years. So how could it not be proposed by the FDA? 
right? How could it not be supported, approved? It is. Another thing is, it has been used for rheumatoris arthritis. It has been used for such things as um, lupus because it has similar, uh, there are similar symptoms. Like, you know, when we, everybody gets the flu, they talk about aches and pains. Well, you have to get approved by your doctor. You can't just go and buy it. Your doctor has to write you a prescription and you have to go out you know, and go to the drugstore and you have to have a paper or at least emailed by your doctor. Now things are emailed to them. And guess what? You, you'll get it. But you have to take it according to the supervision of your doctor. Now, guess what? Does it, does it have side effects? Most definitely it has side effects. Right? But guess what? There's also other uh, drugs that help it could help to it's being it's called off shelf testing it's being supervised by doctors and to see how it works against the coronavirus off shelf testing you can't do this on your own you need doctors doctors have to supervise and watch how the effects are on you a lot of these people don't listen they don't listen to what's being said. They, 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 they're angry because it's the orange man. Well, guess what? Does this person want to listen to it? No, because it goes against his personal ideology, his own agenda. You have to listen to the, you have to listen to both sides. All right. Now doctors are saying that the shutdown is bad. More people have gotten sick by being quarantined and set apart because they have been deprived. They've been in the house for so long. It affects your immune system when you're quarantined for so long. People have actually gotten sick that way. Also, it's affecting other matters. I mean, you know, people are affected when you're emotionally and psychologically affected. It affects your immune system. It actually has it because your own emotional, psychological, your own psyche could affect your, affect your immune system and it could affect your health very badly. I mean, it's not the same thing. I know we're talking about, but you got to look at it. It's the same thing when you vote. What is the information you have? What has it been given to you that it affects you? Your social circle, your, your social circle is like your immune system. Whatever information you take affects the way you act and think and behave. And sometimes how you vote, you're also part of the country. A country is like a person. And every part of it, the immune system can be affected. All right? Like a family. And it causes social disorder. It, it, it could cause breakdown. Everything has plays a part. And unfortunately, a lot of these younger people don't think properly. Uh, one person, as several people I know, they want to stop the rent because they want to have more money to do more fun things. It's not because they can't, you know, they, they, they're getting paid. They're still getting paid. I know this because the, the place we work still pays them. You're not getting paid maybe on the same level, but you're getting paid. Money is coming to you, but they want money so they can do more fun things. They're not putting something else first, such as pay your rent. 
that comes first before play. Are they thinking that way? No, they're not. They, they, they think that if the rent is frozen, they don't have to pay the back rent. They don't know they have to pay the back rent. This is what I'm talking about. The young people don't think logically. They think emotionally. They're happy they don't have to be at work and they're happy and, they, and so they want more money because they're not working the overtime that they need to get to have more money so they can play. They're not, you got to put the bills first before anything else. Your bills have to come first. Before you go out and buy things and, you know, besides that, where are you going to go to spend your money? Everything is shut down during this quarantine. There's no movies. There's no theme parks. There's no restaurants you can go to. Where are you going to go? Like I said, a lot of the young people don't think properly. They don't, you know, so I can't trust them completely when it comes to an election. You don't give the power of an election to someone with a five-year-old mind. I'm sorry, you just don't. And you don't give the election to someone who's emotional. Sorry, doesn't work that way. You know, I I believe that the Electoral College can still be improved. But at this point, we haven't improved it. We still a long way to go. I'm going to end it here. I'm glad that we read this article. Um, think about it yourself. Think, you know, seriously, you can actually do the research uh, I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me, but hey, disagreement is part of life. And uh, so we'll end it here in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. God bless, and we'll be back together again soon. This is the Informed Catholic. So go out there and get yourself informed.